You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put him in the morgue. You goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. This is called Pilot Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Luxford. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> and welcome to the first episode of 2023 for At The Diner, the flagship podcast here on the Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host. I am also the editor-in-chief of our website is greatgeekrefuge.com. Uh, lots of great articles, lots of great podcasts for you to check out. Joining me on the podcast, as always, I have my two wonderful and fantastic co-hosts. You know them, you love them. Let's start with the guy who... I called in our cold open the hardest working man in the podcasting show business world. He put out two podcasts in the last week alone uh, for the side projects that he has. And then more stuff next week. The guy doesn't stop working. It's crazy. He's also a wonderfully talented musician as well. You can check him out on Bandcamp. His name is MC Brooks. Here's your yearly reminder that Sailor Moon would watch Goku. (laughs) (laughs) She has an absurd fucking power set. Like, every time I've learned more about it, I'm like, wait, she can do that, too? Yeah, she can literally just like, yeah, you know what? No more universe. And then that's just it. That's fucking why I hate I saw, because uh, my TikTok feed is filled with uh, lots of dumb shit, like um, lightsaber TikTok. Fucking love that, by the way. Um, <laughs> somebody turned the Sailor Moon wand into a fucking lightsaber, and that shit was so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, I kind of <laughs> want that, man. That looks pretty ridiculous. That's kind of awesome. I can't justify another lightsaber as I have three of them that I'm staring at right now on my shelf, but still. Like, you can always justify one. Yeah, this is true. You can always just, yeah. This is true. Um, and co-host seat number two, we call him the professor because he is so knowledgeable about pretty much everything we talk about here. Comics, video games, movies, TV. Um, also, wonderfully talented artist as well. I have his art adorning my wall. I look at it every day, every time we do one of these podcasts. His name is James Rambo. Hey, everybody. How you doing? We have a special guest as well. Um, I've known our, our guest for, shit, how long has it been? Um, Not quite 10 years, probably like eight Lord. years, something like really, that. Has it really been that long? Well, so I started working at the comic book store right after I graduated high school, and I'm planning my 10-year reunion right now. 
Yeah, there it is. All right, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Megan. Appreciate it. You're that. welcome. I already feel I'm a 94 baby, by the way, so God, I'm probably yeah, the youngest gross. one here. Oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Stop horrible. It. Just stop <laughs> it. Uh, her name is uh, Megan Layer. Uh, Megan is well versed in all things gaming. Um, knows about the comic book stuff, all that geeky nerdy shit that we love so much. She's also a big <laughs> horror aficionado. So we've got her on because I'm going to introduce our topic that we're starting with. And she's kind of like our expert, man, when it comes to this stuff. Because I asked her one question about, I was, I was, I said to her, I was like, hey, we need somebody who's a D&D expert. She's like, well, I wouldn't really call myself an expert. And then proceeded <laughs> to expound on exactly what I wanted the topic to be. And I was like, oh, you're not uh, an expert. She's like, oh, I just doubt. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I just, I know things. I know some things. <laughs> People, it's that's that's that is how it goes. The people who actually know anything about something are like, I know so little. There's so much more that I could know. Like you have no idea. But I'll give you a breakdown. I stayed up till four in the morning researching stuff. That's what I did. That's we we really do appreciate that, seriously. Like the sacrifice that you've made for this show is is truly appreciated. Um I wanna I'm I'm gonna state this up front. Um Friends who are listening, please don't judge me harshly. We all have a blind spot when it comes to the geeky nerdy world, okay? Um, <laughs> as you guys know, Star Trek, Star Wars, I know not everything, but just about all the things that we would need to know. The MCU, same thing. DC, know all of that stuff. Um, not a huge uh, Doctor Who fan. I know enough about it to be able to discuss it, but the blind spot I'm discussing right now, I'm, I'm sorry guys, seriously, like don't judge me for this. I have never ever played D&D. Once. Why are you apologizing? Because I feel like I should have. And no. what, why, why, why should you have? Because it's something why that I would like to, to do with I'm Not obligated, but I feel like I would love to share it with you guys. Well, hey, I man. I feel like it would be something fun. That um, just means we need to set up a game, which is the thing we've been talking about for like two and a half years. Yeah, there basically, yeah. <laughs> um, the reason I say this, and the reason why I apologize, but it is also the reason why we have the podcast and the, and the website the way it's set up the way it is. The Great Geek Refuge was always a place for all to join and to not have to have a certain level of expertise when it came to something. Because we have all of these wonderful people around who are never going to gatekeep you, who are going to help explain these things that we want to know more about. I know this. I looked on social media. I saw all my friends who were D&D fans really fucking angry. And I was like, I don't understand why they're angry. So... <laughs> This is There's why we have Megan. Rambo knows a little <laughs> bit about this. MC knows a little bit about this. But let's talk about what's going on. I know that Hasbro, Hasbro owns Wizards of the Coast, right? And Wizards of the Coast is who owns um, Dungeons and Dragons, essentially, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Megan, give me kind of a snapshot here. What the fuck is going on? Like, so, why is everybody up, uh, up in arms about this? Like, what actually happened? There are a lot of moving parts. So to okay. start off, D&D, &D, as we know it right now, is under a OGL. It's an open game license. So basically in 2000, um, they put out this open game license that used parts of um, third edition to allow publishers to make their own content there or for creators of any level to make content that is compatible with the system. Right. And it was to combat over some of the stuff that happened in fourth edition. For anybody who hasn't played, there are a whole bunch of dif uh, different editions of D&D that changed the rule set and they tried different mechanics to make things more fun and to try different things. Um, it 
it could be anything from like um how different races work how different um different mechanics in terms of like think of spells how you fight all those things right and recently they called it a leak but it's not really a leak they sent out an ogl 1.1 to a fair amount of creators and they wanted them to sign on it and it was going to change the way that the ip how you would interact with the ip so it was going to add in um that you would have to pay a certain amount of like they were looking for 20 to 25 percent of profit if you made over seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars per year and and that's not off of profit so it's off of revenue and then um another thing that they were looking at was they wanted if you didn't make that much they basically wanted you to sign and i will make sure that i say it properly so that we don't mess this up they wanted you to sign for a non-exclusive perpetual irrevocable worldwide sub-licensed royalty-free license to use that content for any purpose so people weren't angry that they want more money because we know wizards of the coast they always want more money if you look at magic the gathering that's all they've been doing the past couple of years they've been pushing out as much product as possible doing as many crossovers as possible because they want to make more off of it we're we are mad because of what they're doing to all of the third-party publishers and how it trickles down to all of the creators because it would affect anyone and everyone who makes yeah. anything for dungeons and dragons I'm or in this. association i'm reading this right now from the guardian.com um mm -hmm. as gizmodo first reported a leaked new agreement drafted by wizards of the coast the hasbro hasbro subsidiary that owns dnd threatened to tighten the OGL that has been in place since the early 2000s, just like you were saying. It would mm -hmm. grant Wizards of the Coast the ability to make money off of these products without paying the person who made it. And companies that make over 750,000 will have to start paying Hasbro a 25% cut of their earnings. Mm -hmm. So like, they're basically like, hey, this thing where we were letting everybody do whatever they wanted, yeah, fuck all of that, pay us. Like, dude, that's And that's it would rough. affect, and it would affect everything. There's a potential that it could take out Pathfinder which is, it's, I would argue it's one of its number one competitor just because it's the next thing that people usually go to after D&D &D and if they don't know a lot about other TTRPGs. Um, it would go through and it would affect everything from people creating content in terms of like putting out their own campaigns, modules, items that they sell online. Because you see people doing that in various formats, whether it be like selling stuff on Etsy or if they have a Patreon where they give out stuff monthly to their subscribers, like there's a whole bunch of ways they do it to people who are creating content on YouTube, whether it is commentary explaining how to play the game and they get sponsors from those third party publishers, because a lot of them do that from Kickstarters, because um, Kickstarters would also have to pay that same percentage where it's like 20 to 25%. Um, Kickstarters are really big with there are a couple of notable D&D um, &D influencers on YouTube that do get um, ad support from them. They get them as sponsors. So it trickles down that way. You also have, um, they, it just affects, it just trickles down to everyone. Gameplay, that was the next one I was gonna go to. You have people as big as Critical Role. Critical Role made like, I think they made over a million last year just on Twitch alone. Like they were the number one earner on Twitch. And I we know already that they're under a contract with Wizards of the Coast, which is why they haven't made a lot of commentary on this. And the community has been pretty out, not, 
I wouldn't say outrage. There's a fair amount of people within the community that were really upset because Matt Mercer hadn't said anything. But if you look at his tweets and stuff, he has liked things in relation to what's going on in support of the players. And Critical Role put out a message last night um, stating that they've always supported people creating their own worlds. And they think that the part of the beauty of the community is people creating. So they've been trying to like very slyly make their commentary on the subject without outright saying it because they're already in contracts but wizards of the coast wants to lock down and make sure they're getting a profit off of everything i have a question about this and and Mm -hmm. maybe you guys can answer it megan you you may know but like it's a tabletop game right Mm -hmm. and from what i'm reading this is this is a quote from from this article uh i almost cried about it two nights ago said baron durop who is 36 uh and lives in tennessee He's been playing D&D since he was nine years old, learning the ins and outs from older relatives who shared plans called adventures, which map out a general storyline for each game. While some adventures are written by D&D itself, many others are written by individual dungeon masters. Under the proposed license, these plans could soon be owned by Hasbro. Here's my question. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not something, you're literally playing it in in the comfort of your own home or Mm -hmm. at a game workshop or whatever it is. Like, how can Hasbro police this shit? Like, so, couldn't I just come up with a plan and say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to play it. And that be the end of it? Yes, that's homebrew. That's yes. just you making it at home by yourself. The problem is there are a lot of creators that put their content out and they monetize it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they want a cut because their content, in my opinion, in the opinion of many, hasn't been of high quality the last couple of years. The, that is so diplomatically put. Thank you. <laughs> you know what this um, reminds me of? This reminds me of what MC was saying when talking about the Sonic franchise and how the stuff that Sega was putting out was dog shit, but there were actually people out there making their own content that was better than the stuff that Sega was putting out. This and is it's, also not dissimilar <clears throat> from um, another Hasbro license, uh, Transformers. Yep. Third-party Transformers tend to be higher detailed uh, they tend to be better built, um, and they're incredibly popular um, over a lot of the ha- like Hasbro designed and built uh, Transformers toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so my theory, based on what we're seeing, we got a, I say we because community, um, February 2nd of 2022 is when Cynthia Williams became the CEO of Wizards of the Coast. The former CEO ended up moving up to being the CEO of Hasbro. They both work together at Microsoft. We know Microsoft is pretty pushy when it comes to monetization. And she was quoted um, on December 9th, they did a investment meeting for Hasbro and its stocks, right? And at that meeting, uh, she made it very clear that she thought that D&D was being under monetized. And she was quoted as saying, D&D has never been more popular and we have really great fans and engagement, but the brand is really under monetized and that she wanted to go into, um, outside of the quote, she wanted to go into basically using D&D beyond to push and make as much extra profits as possible. And that- um, Real quick, D&D beyond is the, um, uh, the digital resource that you can use. Yeah. Um, it's an easy way to play the game. It's an easy way to mm-hmm. set up your characters. Because for the for the most part, un- until uh, well, third party design stuff and D and Beyond, everything you were doing, you were doing pen and paper, physical 
um, like keeping track of your stats. And it, it's been a big barrier of entry for a lot of people to playing um, uh, tabletop RPGs, but but D&D specifically, um, because there is a big math component to uh, to the actual playing of the game, um, and it can be really intimidating. And Mike, to, real, and real quick to, to go back to the to the question you were asking before, yeah, there's nothing that is stopping anyone from just setting up your own homebrew game. Um, where this really would trip people up is all of the third party stuff that is tied directly to D&D uses the D&D rules and gaming structure. Mm -hmm. So the the shorthand, like, so when people are talking about like designing like a game, they're not designing a game, they're designing a module. So like a story, which includes like uh, settings and characters and, and like NPC suggestions and things like that. But ultimately, you can all, you're always saying, "Oh, well, if you need to know something, pick up the player's handbook, pick up the pick up the the DM guide, uh, or the DM manual, the, or the monster manual." Yeah. So you're always pointing back to the D and D specific um, uh, foundation, uh, mm -hmm. and that's where it really like that's yeah. where they really kind of have their hooks into it. Yeah, yeah. it's and they no matter what you do. No, sorry, Megan. Um, no matter what you do, you're still basing it off of this like framework that exactly. they're now saying you have to pay them even more money and if you make money off of this game you owe them it's it's and it's it's this thing of like i'll say what what really quickly um hasbro's perfectly legally right to do this yeah like they're perfectly within their rights they own the license it is their game um it's the difference between where you have the legal right to do something mm -hmm. and the ethical right to do something, particularly mm -hmm. when the implication with the original OGL was this is going to be permanent. This is going to be set up in perpetuity um, so that, like, hey, we recognize that this is a benefit for everyone involved. We recognize that... Um, uh, homebrew is a huge part of the game experience, so we're going to keep making our stuff, and we're going to hope that you will understand that you should continue to support us. We will kind of turn a blind eye to whatever y'all are doing over there, um, and, and we'll all just move forward with it. Um, and then... Bigger corporate interests got involved. They were like, whoa, you know we're just yep. giving shit away. You know Hold what this reminds me of? <laughs> this reminds me of, and honestly, one is a game that a lot of people enjoy. Let me let me make sure that I'm not like shitting on D&D because I'm not. Everybody, there are people that love D&D, that this has been something that is a huge part of their lives that like has really made them connect with other people. Like it, it's a wonderful thing. I'm not discrediting that. But the way this sounds is it reminds me of insulin in the sense that insulin was originally created and patented to be free, essentially, or very, very, very cheap. Cheap to make, cheap to distribute, all of that stuff. And then, just like you said, Rambo, corporate interests were like, wait a minute, we're giving this shit away? When, hey, wait a minute, we can add this extra thing that makes it more efficient, but now we can charge $13,000 of file for this shit. Yeah. And it's just preying on people and mm -hmm. greed, and it's just like, like that, that's the thing that pisses me off the most about this. Okay, so like all these people who are doing like their own mods and doing their own homebrews as you were describing Rambo and like really like making a fan community. How much is Hasbro worth? How much is Hasbro actually making? 
and are these people who are coming up with these things really taking a chunk out of their profits? Like, is this really hurting Hasbro on a big level or even a level at all? Or is just this just another thing where like everything else we've seen, some new CEO comes in and it's like, I gotta be profitable and I gotta make more money. It reminds me of fucking Zaslav with uh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. Saying I have to make a profit because I have to make the uh, stockholders and shareholders, I have to make them so happy. Hasbro as of right now is worth $9.1 billion. Yeah. And like, you're gonna, you're gonna take on people who are making, what'd they say? Are there, I'm just wondering, are there really people making over $750,000? Yes, stuff that they've absolutely. It's, there's that much absolutely. money out there for this? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's why they're doing this. I mean, another part of it, too, is D&D &D bought D&D &D Beyond, the, the software. Um, I think that would be the appropriate way to put it. On April 13th of 2022, they bought it for... $146.3 million in cash. And at the time it had 10, mil 10 million users. Wow. And, and that then, was like, from I'm, Business Wire. And I'm wondering how much the subscription was like for, for that because. So just, the subscription model, like it, they have two tiers. Yeah. One tier is $2.99 and the other tier is $5.99. Wait, and you said, you said there were how many subscribers? 10 million. But you can also buy all of your source books on there. You can, mm -hmm. you could, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You could buy digital content. Like I loved dice, both physical and digital. I had a whole bunch of dice on there because you could just buy whatever you wanted to. Um, also, I do see the comment real fast for anybody who can see. I'm, I'm super dyslexic. And in school, I talked a lot and they didn't want me to talk a lot. And so <laughs> it, to make sure I didn't interrupt people, I put my finger on my nose. And I'll look at you with my finger on my nose until you let me talk. <laughs> and if you don't, and then I put my finger down, I'll forget my thought and I'll I, never go back to it. <laughs> I, completely forgot, I completely forgot that you do that. Yeah, and yeah. as soon as you did it, I was like, oh, Megan has something to say. Like I, I, <laughs> like, I saw you do it. I saw you do it. You were tapping. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is important. I have no, that's what that means. And this is I, important. I, it's one of those things I forgot. I knew that, but I forgot yeah. that you guys didn't know that. So like, yeah. as soon as you said it, I was like, okay, I gotta get Megan back on here because she has something to say. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, all good. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of money out there. It was one of those things that I had just never really thought of being as lucrative as it is so i mean it's just like with anything else all these hasbro just wants wants you know a little something something from this and like that's the thing i think if ha and this is just my opinion on this i think if hasbro had been more transparent about what they wanted from this that this wouldn't be such a big deal and if they well, had actually found like a more reasonable like hey guys let's let's do this okay what you have th this original ogl that we have we're not going to fuck with that however we are going to ask that you pay more for these things because we want to make sure that we're going to be able to deliver you more content, deliver you better product, that sort of stuff. But like, this just shows a lack of foresight or really a lack of care for their customers, which is bullshit. That's a great way to alienate people as they're seeing happen right now. So there's another layer to it. When you look at that business meeting they had with that seminar that they did for their investors, the other thing that they brought up that I thought was really important that I haven't seen a lot of people touch on because I don't know that people have linked the two together. They made they've made it very clear that they want to move to having a um, four quadrant like profit plan, like the Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings franchises do. That that was a comparison that they gave, 
And so um, what they want from that is to make money off of the tabletop game film. So like movies, television. Um, I can't remember what the third one was, but there is was a it third. Video games, maybe? Yes, it is video games. And then the fourth is off of merchandise, but that would be collectibles and everything. I, I wonder because merchandise can cover so many things and they want this OGL to cover that they have the rights for everything. In theory, this even covers things like creators who are modeling things like free online. If they make a character, if they make a specific looking type of monster that belongs specifically to the D&D IP, they could just take it and make it. There's nothing to stop them from doing that if this OGL goes through. Like there's a, I, I wonder how much they're doing this to get both physical and virtual content just by grabbing from everything that everybody else already has because they know that the quality is low and that they want to put out as much as possible to bring in more money. And when you when you have it be as because because Hasbro has since responded, um, yeah, and and they have since uh, uh, very Locked vocally them. walked things back yeah. and be like, oh, <laughs> you know, we didn't realize that. You know that was how you felt, and we didn't think it. We didn't even think that that could be used that way. Really, your army of lawyers didn't think you could use this this way. But they're still using. So there was another leak that's attached to this too, where an employee came out and they they came out anonymously, and they said, "Look, this is what's been happening behind the scenes during this OGL debacle." Is how I'll put it. Um, and one of the things that they brought up is that. In the meetings, leadership has been very clear that they don't care about the customer and they see them as an obstacle to the money. Like that's that is a phrase I remember him saying in his statement. Wow. And Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, <laughs> the way that he put it was they want you to forget. They basically want to push this back, make it so that it seems okay for as long as possible, and then publish it once you forget and let you just move on with it. So this statement coming out without the official OGL that they want doesn't mean anything yeah. it's them just trying to placate us until they feel like it's safe enough to put out that ogl however they've decided to edit it since there's a quote from uh, an article on cbnbc on cnbc.com because that is the state of nerd affairs um leaders in the dungeons dragons community created, greeted the news of the delay with uh, cautious optimism quote at first blush it seems like we won quote said mike hollick editor-in-chief of Mei Chan Press, quote, however, until we can confirm the terms of this license, specifically as it relates to software, such as virtual tabletops, it's not clear if this is a smokescreen or a real commitment to the community and its creators, unquote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, and, and like, talk about your garbage timing to be doing something like this. They have that, a fucking movie, movie coming out. Yeah, that, that movie's was getting doing, to tank great press yeah people were genuinely excited i was really looking forward to it and i'm not so, now I'm like will i even it. watch this yep. is it even worth my time or money to go go to the theater and support this shit i mean i can't see it until i know what they're gonna do yeah yeah which does bring me to and i don't know if you're okay with moving to this how the community is responding no, like how do. they're yeah yeah yeah, yeah by all means so part, another part of that leak from the employee was he was talking about how D&D Beyond is the best metric and platform right now for them to get a direct response financially to see what's happening because leadership only cares about the bottom line. So one of the big things that we've seen everyone talking about 
on Twitter, on all other forms of social media, is everybody canceling their subscriptions. Even if they've paid for their subscription a year out, they're making sure that they're canceling it. They're making a note in the cancelization to give a direct, like to have a direct impact right now for them to see what their metrics look like in the next six months, the next year, based on all these cancelizations. The other thing that we've seen is third-party publishers and other um, RPG create, uh, creators banding together. So uh, Pezo is the publisher that puts out Pathfinder, and they have they've banded together with a whole bunch of other publishers: Cobalt Press, um, Casium, Green Ronin, um, Legendary Games. Rogue Genius Games and Battle Zoo, and I've seen a whole bunch of like individual patrons, uh, Patreons as well, where it's definitely smaller people who have gone up and have joined in meetings with Pathfinder, but they're trying to create a ORC, which is a open uh, roleplay game license, and they. Huh. Yeah. Nice. yeah, it is orc. <laughs> yes, um, but you know, to sound more more legal and make sure that all that sounds legit. ORC, yes. just in case, just in case, because I don't know if they want to go by that. Um, but they are working with Brian Lewis, and he was the attorney who developed the original OGL. And the idea is they want to create a, a nonprofit that owns the license so that it is never in the hands of another company that could switch hands and change um, the content. The way they put it is, so no company in the future can change, rescind rights, or nullify sections of the license. Um, they basically want to set up like the Linux Foundation so that any game publisher could use that license and have it be open-ended that way. I think Hasbro underestimated the D&D community mm -hmm. because the funny thing about D&D, and it's one of the things that I've always not yeah, envied of all the people I know who play it, is it is some of the most intelligent people I know. And what they do when they're not doing campaigns is nerd shit like this. They're lawyers, they're financial planners, they're mm -hmm. business moguls. Like y'all- They're neuroscientists, the they're yes. rocket yeah. scientists. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like you fucked with the wrong crowd because they're going to find a way to make this work. And like, if, mm -hmm. you, if, if you thought that they were all gonna be like, well, I guess we have to pay it. No, no, this is, this is not the crew you wanted to fuck with. Like. Go ahead, Meg. Well, I mean, one, it's not about the paying. It's about the third-party rights. Yeah. It's about them taking away the content. In all honesty, I think all of us would have been fine paying a couple of extra bucks on the subscription. Like, I don't I don't know that any of us really would have been that mad. When you look through Twitter and you look at, like, all the responses, people were like, I would have bought more merch. Just put out more merch. I would have bought it. Um, it's the disrespect, I think. It is the disrespect. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say the memes. They... There have been so many amazing memes. Why would you do this to the biggest group of nerds that are rules lawyers? They have no That's idea. That's what we do. And we min-max. Not all of us all the time. <laughs> but like, why? That just seems like the dumbest idea Maybe. to me. Can you give us a breakdown of min-maxing? Oh, okay. So I will say that uh, I am not safe the to best. Assume. If there's if there is a given like I know what it is you know what it is but like yeah. make sure everybody's on the same page. Oh yeah, so if, yeah, you assume I got if there's you. a given term, we should probably explain it one way or the other. Yeah. So min maxing is when you go hardcore on the math 
and you decide, I don't want my character to do things normal. I want to push everything to the edge. I'm going to make everything they do seem a little bit impossible, but the math works. The DM can't get mad at me. I followed all the rules. My best example, because I don't tend to min-max. I don't care about strength. I tend to go for charisma, and I like to sarcasm the crap out of anything that we come across, okay? But I love magic. I made a level six character. I don't remember how many different, like, um, how many different, um, I don't know, I I want to say she had different four, like, I think she had four classes, but I got her 20 cantrips alone at level six. Holy shit. <laughs> Not even wow. the rest of the spell book. So, and for those who don't know a cantrip, yeah, <laughs> a cantrip is a spell that you can cast without using a spell slot. So basically you can use it anytime. Now some ammo, DMs, essentially with this thing. <laughs> right. Now some DMs will get pissed off at min-maxing and will put in their own rules, which is another form of home brewing. And more than fair. But it's min-maxing is just trying to see how you can push it to the edge. And they decided to fuck with the nerd crowd that that's all we do. All we do is go through and look at rules and see how we can bend them and all the loopholes like that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like I have a, uh, I have an associate that works for me who is uh, big into D and D and his personality at work and the things that he does is like, the way you guys are describing this about finding ways to bend the rules and stuff. That's exactly, it's the same thing. He's like, so if I do this one thing, even though the rule says this, I'm technically not doing the thing it says I'm not supposed to do. And I'm like, would you fucking stop? And like, <laughs> but boy, does this match up. It is the it is the yeah. difference between the spirit of the law and, and the letter yeah. of the law. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, yeah, because that's uh, we talk about that all the time. I'm like, hey, well, you know what? The letter of the law says this, but spirit, eh, I'm good with it. Let's do it. So, so we we've heard uh, like you, you Megan, you touched on Paizo's uh, uh, open RPG creative license or or. Mm -hmm. um, well, they've made a point to say like not only do are we doing that. But we think the original OGL stands as it is and can't and be authorized. To take, yeah, and they're willing to take lawyers to court. Like they're willing to go in with all their lawyers and go to court and fight it. Because D and D tried to say there was a. There have been several leaks. You have the OGL 1.1 that leaked. You have the 2.0 FAQ that's leaked. I've seen people refer to it to 2.0. I don't know that that's really accurate because it wasn't a legal document. It was just an FAQ. And the FAQ D and D tries to say that you will not be able to use this new license uh well you won't be able to use the old license because this new license will cancel it out and they tried to like say why but again it's not a legal document and there's a lot of arguments that they can't actually do that yeah so paisio is ready they're ready they're like or paizo i'm sorry they are ready and they're like we will go in and there have been a whole bunch of other like companies like that that are like we'd help with that but then you also have these third-party companies that were creating content exclusively for D&D like Cobalt Press. And they have straight up said that they will make their own system. I believe they called theirs, um, it was like raising the black, uh, the, the black flag. Like that's what they're calling this project, like Project Black Flag. And they are going through and making their own RPG. I've seen a lot of other creators um, on Patreon say that. Although a lot of them, as they've seen the developments from the bigger third parties, what they're doing instead is they're finding um, alignments with some of these publishers that they know that they like 
tend to do well with or that are that have been compatible with the similar content and they're following what they're doing so that when it's time they can make content to go with their new rpg systems and boy did they fuck with the wrong crew like yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite thing from the paizo uh announcement um it's at one point, like early, like, yeah, early into it, it's, after, it's like the second paragraph. We believe that any interpretation of the OGL 1.0 or 1.0A were intended to be to be revocable or able to be deauthorized is incorrect, mm -hmm. and with good reason. We were there. Paizo owner Lisa Stevens and Paizo president Jim Butler were leaders on the Dungeons and Dragons team Wizards at the time. Brian Lewis, co-founder of Azora Law, the intellectual property law firm that Paizo uses, was the attorney at, attorney at Wizards who came up with the legal framework of the OGL itself. Paizo has also worked very closely on OGL-related issues with Ryan Dancy, the visionary who conceived the OGL in the first place. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yep, just yep, yep. so we're all on the same page. It's the <laughs> like, fucking, it's the fucking quote. We're from, at the Council uh, of Nicaea. Yeah. I know what books were taken out. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's the quote from uh, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Don't quote the old magic to me. <laughs> I was there. Well, it's just it's... not in the spirit of like D and D. I I know this isn't a confirmed quote. It's something that's gone around the community for a while. But there there's a quote that we believe Gary Gygax said, who is the creator of D and D, where he said, "The secret we should never let the game masters know is they don't need any rules." The idea is like, it's all about what you create, what you create. And they even did this in fifth edition. Fifth edition was published in 2014. And on the bottom of the first page, it states, above all else, D&D is yours. The friendships you make around the table will be unique to you. The adventures you embark on, the characters you create, the memories you make, these will be yours. D&D is your personal corner of the universe, a place where you have the free reign to do as you wish. Go forth now, read the rules of the game and the story of its world, but always remember that you are the one that brings it to life. They are nothing without the sparkle of life you give them. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the, the, the entirety of the player's handbook, uh, the DM guide book, all those things, it's just a scaffolding. And you can take as much of that from it as you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can leave behind as much as you want. If you want to use the monster manual just to find specific creatures that will more easily break down. And like, it's, it's things like, okay, so I have a group of people who are like, they're all level two. And I want them to fight a monster. I want to have a big encounter. Well, you don't want to take a creature that is stupid powerful and designed for people who are all at level 10 mm -hmm. and have them go up against it because they're gonna die like more than likely you're gonna have what's called a tpk or a total party kill um where in, in one encounter you just wipe out the entire party that's not really fun for most players um not everybody likes the souls like um so you want to have some balance so one of the things that um that the the D, D framework has done is say okay we figured out the stats for various monsters based on the various levels that your players are going to be at so this is a good like you might want to use x number of goblins or kobolds or uh or whatever against this many players in this kind of encounter so it's stuff like that it's it's the it's the the 
the real background, like, I don't want to have to think about this shit. Mm -hmm. um, that's what's really useful from the the D and D manuals and things. But yeah, the story, like you can build a story on the spot. Like yeah. there's a, um, a an annual like uh, 200 word RPG contest. Yeah, and it's you everything rules, title, everything 200 words or less, and. That's really all you need. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like, we've talked about it a little bit. Um, fuck, it's Dracula is one of the ones that I was <laughs> I really enjoyed. And it's just like, it's the title. I mean, like, the concept alone, like, you hear the title, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. It's kind of fun. And it's like, you're surprised by a vampire, but you're not so surprised that you don't know who it is. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, it's a perfect setup, and you can go for with that. RPGs in general are designed to be storytelling. And the way it works is the DM is sort of, it acts as like the narrator and all of the characters to fill in the uh, fill in the cracks between the main characters. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody together is telling a story. Um, it's why the best games don't come from DMs who hate their players and are trying to kill them constantly. Um, or conversely, from players who are trying to win D&D, &D, which is not a thing you can do because you're just telling a story together. Uh, specifically, that term win D&D &D, is usually used for players who are absolute dickheads, who are trying to min-max everything all the time uh, in every possible opportunity um, and aren't they actually trying to- They want to play Warhammer. They want to play Warhammer. <laughs> and, they wanna, and ideally, they want to play Warhammer by themselves, but you yeah. can't. So, <laughs> so you know, you're 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 dealing with people who actually aren't there to. They're not yes ending. Yeah, that's really what it comes back to. If it, it's the improv player where every other actor is like, okay, so we're in a dentist's office, and somebody goes, oh yeah, I've had a sore tooth, and someone else goes, no, I have a gun, and we're in the desert. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, fucking Michael asshole. Scott when he goes to it's the Michael uh, Scott. <laughs> it's 100% Michael Scott in improv yeah. um, because he's playing the game he wants to play versus the story that everybody else is playing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, oh, Hasbro. Another good example for anybody who has been watching like Box Machina or Critical Role's actual campaigns, they started mm -hmm. off, I don't. I don't remember if it was them or Dimensions. There, there have been a couple of podcasts where they started off using actual D&D &D modules. Now there is IP where if you're streaming, you can't use certain characters after you have a certain amount of money that you're making off of it because it's the ownership of the characters and it's not about the, the game mechanics. So it's different. So a lot of them switch and they make their own worlds. So a good example, everyone loves Matt Mercer. Matt Mercer is wonderful. Um, on Critical Role, the, the world that they play in, he's been working on since he was like, I think I think he was like in middle school or something, but they they publish and put out. And that's part of what D&D is kind of mad about is that they put out their own content and people love it. And it's all their own worlds. Everything in here are stats and things that he made. He made every landscape, every map that within it with all the different uh, buildings within the town, all of the NPC characters, non-playing characters that he would be acting out himself, all of it's in here. 
And yeah, Megan is holding the, up the actual physical hardcover. I'm sorry. I no, didn't you're think fine. About you're it. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the actual hardcover that Watsy printed. Yeah. Uh, so that it's act because it's actually now a proper DD volume. Yeah. And this one was uh Taldori Reborn. It's the latest one they put out. And they did it through their own third party publisher this time instead of doing it with oh. Wizards. This is through Darrington Press. So that's another thing that people have been predicting is that them and Dimensions 20, because Brendan Mulligan another wonderful person from what we've seen online also hates yes. capitalism has yes. made it very, very <laughs> clear that um, he's starting his own new podcast um, with, I think it's like five or six other like very notable, like DMS that we've seen across uh, different live streaming platforms for D and D. Um, and they made it very clear that it is them playing different TTRPGs, not D and D. And people are kind of wondering if they're if both companies are going to be putting out their own RPGs now. Again, not confirmed because they can't make any commentary. The most we've seen is Matt Mercer like some posts that were in relation to the OGL stuff, but you know, a little bit of conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat. Hopefully, they're putting out their own <laughs> stuff because we really like what they do. <laughs> when and, and you know to to. Um... You know, Bren uh, is in a position where he doesn't have a corporate overlord in the same way that Mercer does. Yeah. Um, like the the um, the critical role folks, that is the hand it feeds to some degree, and it is the unfortunate situation of of working for anybody in any in any capacity is like at a certain point you you are kind of beholden to what they're doing. Um, Whereas Brendan's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, I'll just do whatever I want. I will say they have done a really good job, though, navigating this. Did Have you guys read their statement? Critical Role? Yeah. No. Do you mind if I read it out loud? Please do. No, go ahead. So, so Critical Role um, posted on their Twitter, and it says from all of us, Critical Role has always supported creators in the game development in the tabletop space. We stand by our industry peers, as well as anyone who takes a risk creating a new system or developing an original idea. The beauty of gaming comes from the opportunity to share inclusive, diverse, and compelling stories from a wide spectrum of creators. That's exactly why we launched our own game publishing company a few years ago, because we believe that broadening the field of creators boosts the entire industry. The success we've experienced is thanks to the passion and interest of the greater tabletop community. And we commit to fostering an environment that allows everyone the opportunity to easily share the stories they wish as well. And they signed it off. That is a very, very carefully written and carefully worded uh, statement. And kudos to them for uh, for really taking the time to be like, all right, how do we say fuck you without saying fuck you? Yep. And uh, well done. Good There's fucking some job. There's some great memes where people went through, because it's in white text on a black background, and they chose uh, letters in white and colored them in red so that it says, help us over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> but, but I mean, I think they've done an excellent job of showing support without outright doing it because they know that they can't based on the contracts that they already have. They, they've been really great. Yeah, just, absolutely. Like, I can't think of a precedent other than, and it just, I keep going back to Sonic the Hedgehog of the community at large basically saying to the the people that own the IP, like, dude, 
fuck you. Like, why do you keep screwing with this thing that we love so much? And like, especially with D&D, because D&D is such a unique thing in the sense that like, for I mean, we it was just in Stranger Things season four, where you really got to see how D&D was vilified as this like, mm -hmm. oh, devil worshiping, all this other shit to make it so that the community grew closer together in defending the thing that they loved so much. This has been something that's been played for 40 years, you know, like it's, and, and you're going to sit there and you're going to do this to the community that has these kind of roots, that has this kind of connection of people who, like you said, engineers, physicists, neuroscientists, like lawyers, doctors, who, who have this love of this thing, who now know the system better than the company that's trying to tell them, you got to pay us. So it's just like, mm -hmm. it, it's baffling to me to see a company do this and underestimate the fandom like they did. Again, Warner Brothers. It reminds me of Warner Brothers. It reminds me of Sonic the Hedgehog. It reminds me, I was going to say Disney, but in a different way. In the mm -hmm. sense that like Disney loves suing people um, using, their, using their stuff. It reminded me a little bit of that, but Disney in the last couple of years, especially with Star Wars, especially with Marvel, has done a really good job of listening to the community and being like, all right, y'all don't like this or, you know, you want us to do more of this, so we're going to adjust fire and make sure that it's done. It's just like, I, I can't believe that Hasbro would underestimate their fan base like this. Like, well, I mean, it just seems so stupid. MC, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go, you can go ahead, Megan. I was going to say, like, they've, they're probably watching what's happened with Magic the Gathering over time. They've been able to push out stuff over and over. Now, the community's still upset, but they're also still going to buy the cards because they still want to play. And they're still playing online to some extent, which oh, is, yeah. Yeah. it's, I mean, and they, they did this 30th anniversary thing where I don't remember if it was a CEO, but somebody from the company was like, yeah, D&D, &D, the D&D &D crossover was our best release. And everyone freaked out, like, they were like, no, it was not good. There was nothing that helped us in our formats <laughs> from that. Now, I will say I did buy it because it was D&D &D and I wanted them to have as like tokens and stuff to use with D&D &D yeah. or just to have in my EDH decks because I am an extremely casual MTG player. Very, very, very casual. But it did nothing for anyone else. They literally just sold it because the IP sells. And they've been doing that with all of these sets. Secret Layer has been wonderful to watch. It's this specialized like mini set that comes out where they print certain cards in different artistic formats. They had a Post Malone Secret Layer where it was like wow. like four or five cards. It was great, wonderful. Kind of they've had some fun stuff. There's a Junji Ito one. Like they're oh. pulling good names. They're doing cool stuff, but it's not helping their player base. But we're still buying it because. It's pretty. Like, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's, like it's pretty. A lot, a lot of it is though is the the difference between the big, uh, uh, committed players who are like hardcore MPG players versus the more casual players or somebody who's like, oh, I like D and D. There's a D and D magic set. Sure, I'll pick that up. Mm -hmm. Um, and and yeah, it, it's important to like. This thing with D&D right now, like with the, with the OGL, this is not the first time Hasbro is is doing this kind of dumb shit. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, like the the way they've been handling magic for the last year or two in particular is just instead of taking the time to to put out 
overall better and more dedicated and, and better designed um, uh, new magic sets. They're just putting out more and more and more magic sets and flooding the market. And it's like, you really have no idea. Like there's, there is no concern for your long-term success versus your short-term gains. And eventually that will bite you in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I never fail to be, be amazed at the total lack of foresight on the part of these fucking companies. I did have to look this up real quick just to make sure. I didn't know if uh, Monopoly was Hasbro or Parker Brothers. It is Mono- It is Hasbro. But like now, all I can picture is any of the statements coming from the Hasbro CEO being the Monopoly guy. <laughs> we Monocle, have the AI to do it. Yeah, Monocle, yeah. top hat, just like, like just nah, see? Like, that's all I can, that's all I can picture. <laughs> I'm sorry, can you do that one more time? Yeah, see? There you go. <laughs> I was going to go back to your point real fast about uh, what we wish, the I, how they treated the IP. It's a really weird, dumb example, but I love it. Bob's Burgers. People make stuff all the time that is using their IP, and the creators have been very clear that they don't care. They love it. They've I don't, I don't know how like far into stuff I can go into that's inappropriate, but there have been some inappropriate videos made that are Bob's Burgers themed where the whole cast watched it and they loved it because it was so accurate to the TV show. Megan, just I'm to be so clear, there's zero, there's zero censorship. So you can talk about- Okay, so there's a porn out on Pornhub, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's Linda, Bob, and, Ted, and Teddy. And they actually scripted it so it sounds like the characters. They're dressed oh like the characters. <laughs> and they were at oh, a Jesus. convention and somebody mentioned it. And the whole cast, the directors, everyone watched it and they loved it. They love it. And there are oh. so many creators that like, I'm a huge fan of, of the franchise, obviously. And like, they, there are creators that make all different types of merch and they let them. They hired a guy who made his own shorts on YouTube. He did one or two shorts where he took voice acting clips from other people like from people on the show from other shows and he made his own episode of bob's burgers where i think it was another crossover with archer and they hired him they didn't get mad at them they loved it and they're like you're going to be part of our team now and he's been animating with them ever since like they love their audience and that's what i wish wizards would do Yeah, interesting enough, that's that's a connecting point to the fact like Mike, Mike has been mentioning the connection to the Sonic franchise because mm-hmm. that's literally what happened with Sonic Mania, which is it began as a fan project and then all those guys work with Sega now. All, awesome. Like they 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 so many people who were doing fan who were you know who were YouTubers uh, or streamers you know just content creators of all different types. Um, and and uh, many of them have now gone on to begin working with Sega in an official capacity and helping to clear up a lot of the lore issues and figure out what they're going to do with uh, the Sonic IP going forward and how they can make the, the character and game uh, not only more fun, but make it something that is not just leaning more t- towards the younger crowd, but yeah. can also bring in the you know those of us who have been fans since 92, you know? Yeah. I want to point out, um, <laughs> this is why I love our crew. Um, MC <laughs> pointed out that the, Mono- that the Monopoly man has never had a monocle. And it wasn't like a, God, Mike, you're lame. It was shout out to the Mandela <laughs> effect. 
Like, <laughs> does it have a monocle? He doesn't no, know. He, he doesn't, doesn't know. Monocle. It's no. just a top hat. He's just, but you, you think any guy in a top hat and tails with a with a a big like handlebar mustache, he's got to have a top monocle. No. Oh, you want to hear some fucked up shit I learned last night? Always. <laughs> Mama Bear. Mama Bear Berenstain. Yep. How old is she? Guess. Oh, shit. No, I saw this. This was <laughs> fucked up. Wait. She, I, is she like, like 25 wait, 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 or something? Wait, 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 oh, okay. Don't I, say. Megan, no, MC, how old do you think Mama Bear is? Oh, I don't remember. I would have I guessed her 40s or something. Yeah, I don't know. That, yeah. But I was a little kid. I don't know. <laughs> Give us the answer, Michael. Oh, she's like 25 or some shit like that. She's 27 years she's younger old. younger than me. Yeah. I don't like what? that. 27. <laughs> what? <laughs> How old's Papa Bear, though? I don't know. 38. <laughs> oh, that just makes the whole thing gross. No, like, she's 27. Um... She's 27. Yeah. Yeah, because wh- why not? Fucking why but, not? But, yeah. like, but he's aren't... 29. Oh. Just, I was going to say, you just, I was about to look it up. All right. All right, I'll let it go. Like, at least that's not creepy. But, like, Brother Bear and Sister Bear, aren't they, like, six or seven? Like, actually, I think they're older than that. But here's, and here's the thing. If you really think about, like, when those characters were created, that's kind of old for them to be having kids, not young. What, were they created in the 70s? 70s or 60s, yeah. Shit, I don't even know, man. Like... Yeah, 27. To be 27 and have two kids of school age means that she, that, oh, sh- that Papa Bear knocked her up when she was like 19 or 20. Yeah, because yeah. Brother Bear's in third grade and Sister's in first, meaning they were like nine and seven, something like that. Yeah, yeah. meaning that she was, wait, hang on. If, she, if he's nine and she's 27, yeah, she was 18 when she yeah. had. Papa Bear should, man, knocking up he a 17-year-old. Yeah, knocking up a 17-year-old yeah. girl. Jesus. Well, Bear. I mean, Bear's age different. <laughs> I don't know. Like. <laughs> but yeah, 27. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. that tidbit. <laughs> also, most of us are older than both Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. Yeah, there's all those all those things. All those things. Yeah. I've, um, oh, yeah. going back to, I mentioned TikTok earlier. Like, um, there are so many clips on TikTok of like just cartoons of like I'm, I'm assuming they're they're DC movies and maybe I can find them on HBO Max. I will no, I can't say that because HBO Max pulled anything that's good. Um, and hiking the price. Yeah, right. So, um, but like there's these these clips of like Batman and Superman interacting, um, and I'm like, oh, this looks like this would be a really good movie. I, I wonder what it is, and I can never find the fucking name of the movie. Um, like in the comments and stuff like that. It makes me so mad. There's one where like, I guess John Kent, like he's he's young and like he's flying on his dad's back and his dad takes him to the Batcave and fucking Damien is there too. And Damien's a douchebag. And that like, might be the new, is that, was it? Yeah, it sounds 3D? like the, 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 the recent one that came out last I'm year. I'm not sure. The Super Sons movie. Yeah, I might have to see if I can find it. But like either way, like it's, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing this new content it's a different style of animation too and i see all these yeah, other so that's the, probably the super sons movie because they did yeah. something different with that and there's a lot of different ones like that there's one that is like i can i recognize the voice of batman the voice of batman is dietrich bader and like i'll have to track and see which which projects he's worked on because there's like there's two in particular it, there, he, he, was bra- he, he was brave in the bold wasn't he 
He was he was in Brave and Bold, and they brought yeah. him back for Harley Quinn. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have so to if it was dirty, show. then it's the Harley Quinn show. <laughs> I've heard I need to see that one too. Yeah, I'm, I need to, I need to start watching that Is too. It? Yeah, it's a, apparently adult animation done correctly, unlike yes. some recently released shows that I won't talk about right now. <laughs> 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 so many things. Oh, uh, uh, I'm glad that worked. Well, <laughs> what's what's going to make this even more fun is this is the perfect segue. This is why having people that have podcasted before is so fucking great when you have them on your show because they're great at setting up segues. We're going to go ahead and close up shop for this episode. Um, I want to thank Megan. Megan, thank you so much for being, God damn, you were so prepared and like so knowledgeable. Thank you so much for doing the legwork and the homework and having notes. Like she sent me pictures of her notes, guys. It was That wasn't even all of them. I took more. It's like eight pages. It's like eight pages yeah. of notes. I was sending it to people and I was like, I think I might be a good conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Your, your level of commitment to our oh. episode is fantastic. Um, Thank you. We're, um, so we look forward to having you on the next episode. Hey, you can hang out for the next episode, right? Because we're going to talk about our favorite things from 2022. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. Hell yeah. Look at this. <laughs> Good shit. All right, guys. Um, for all you out there listening, thank you. Thank you again. 2022 was awesome. You guys helped us do amazing things. We... we Again, we, we had hit 100,000 subscribers in 2020. We got to 150,000 in 2022 or 2021. And then in 2022, we're so close to 200,000 subscribers. It's fucking nuts. And that's because of you guys. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your friends about the geeky, nerdy things that we do here at The Great Geek Refuge. So we love you. We appreciate you. And for all of us here at The Great Geek Refuge, remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Feeling bad about shit I didn't do So dramatic, panicked I got pre-traumatic Stress cause nothing happened yet But it did in my head I drive me mad I drive me absolutely crazy Help you bad For you cause I'm so fucking paranoid and sad All the time you could blame it all on mine And now I'm mad I drive me mad Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!